0: Welcome to Regold's Dance Life Podcast for dance teachers and dance studio owners who have a passion for the art of dance. Hello, and welcome to Regold's Dance Life Podcast. My name is Stacey Morgan, and joining me is the fabulous Regold. G'day, Ray Good
1: day to you, Stacey. How are you?
0: Really, really well, thanks. We are heading into the meaty part of the season where everyone's thinking recitals and everyone's getting themselves organized. But what if you're thinking, further ahead. What if you think, next season I'm going to need another teacher or two? Which is always a good problem to have, right? If you have so many students that you suddenly don't have the staff to to be able to cover it and you need to hire new staff, but for some teachers that can be a little bit daunting.
1: So it can be daunting and want to know what makes it most daunting? Tell me. You- is that we know we need teachers and we wait until let's say the month before the season is going to start and we start looking for those teachers mm-hmm. I wonder it. if anybody listening can relate to what I just said.
0: Which starting mean, their cars, nodding their heads.
1: Which means the timing of this talk is really, really good because I do feel like in the spring is the time to start thinking about where you stand with faculty, Mm -hmm. giving yourself a reality check and saying, who will I have as the new season rolls around or what changes would I like to make as the new season rolls around? So uh, hit me with some questions because I'll be happy to talk about this one. I got lots of opinions.
0: So I guess we start with what is the most important thing you're looking for when it comes to a teacher? Because some people might approach this with the thought that it's, you know, how how long were they a professional on Broadway? Will it, you know, will it be, you know, what you look for on their resume? But in fact, when you're hiring a teacher, we need to really think about the fit, don't we? It's how that person is going to fit with our studio.
1: Yeah, not only fit, uh, with the culture of the studio, but let's say, for instance, you're going to hire a ballet teacher who is, I would, I call it, across the board teacher, meaning they're going to teach my most advanced kids, and they're also going to teach my recreational kids, and so I don't look at the strongest teacher for my intensive kids as always being the best choice doesn't mean that i don't like i want to hire the best i can but i want to hire someone who is enthusiastic across the board with all of my classes because i can't afford to have them teach my advanced kids if they don't do a good job with my preschool kids so my first point here to our listeners is to me, you have to balance the ability of the person to be a good mentor, leader, teacher for your kids, more so than you're always thinking about the best teacher for your most advanced kids. That makes sense?
0: Absolutely. And when it comes to trialing a new teacher as well, we may feel the you know, the desire to put them in front of our most advanced kids, not just so that we can see what they will do with them, but to kind of show them off a bit. Cause you know, that's your that's your pride and glory. You want to say, check out what I've developed in my school. But it's really important that we think outside the square and just don't put them to demonstrate in front of those kids, right?
1: Yeah, I'm a, I'm a firm believer in it. If you want to know the truth, here's my my thought process. So you know, it could change from year to year. I check out the teacher online. I um, check out anything Facebook-wise, anything on their resume that I could find that I could get a little more detail on. Then I talk to the person on the phone. Then I talk to the person in person. It's at that time that I would ask them if they'd be willing to teach a class for me. I would also say we we pay a stipend of whatever right at that point for the class, could be 25, could be 35, depending on where you are, so that that question doesn't dangle when you uh, ask them to do that. But for me, I say two classes. I say, I need you to work with my advanced kids, and I'd like you to work with one of our recreational classes. And if they're into that, that's when they move on. Mm -hmm. But hear me, I was sarcastic in the beginning when I said, you can't do this the month before. This is the reason why so many people hire the month before can't go through really getting to know the teacher process. Put them in the classroom and three months later, they realize they made a mistake.
0: Yeah, and there's nothing worse than that that mid-season shake-up where you're having dramas with your staff and then you need to replace people but also performance manage them and you're right in the middle of the thick of, you know, when you've just got everybody enrolled and you want the spirit to be high and everybody to be excited but suddenly behind the scenes, you're dealing with, you know, drama.
1: I uh, just spoke with a person that hired five new teachers. She was so excited because she was going into administration, but she hired a couple of them very late in the season. Her instinct wasn't 100%. And she had to let those two teachers go. And now she's back in the classroom.
0: Mm. Happens so often, doesn't it?
1: And of course, you know, if if you do lose a teacher, the best person to go back in there is the owner. Parents accept that and think that's really cool. But why have have put yourself through that? So here's here's a couple of other tips on this. Those of you that say it's hard for me to find faculty make sure that your website has a a tab on it and a page that's employment opportunities so that you're consistently collecting resumes. And those resumes, you'll be surprised who may write you, they could end up being a person who could do a class on uh Horton technique a special master class in your studio there's more dance people around us than we know Mm. and by putting that application or that process on your website you'd be surprised what you'll get I'll also joke and say you'll you'll get pole dancers you'll get you know all all kinds of interesting dance people as well, but it's worth it. The overall <laughs> end result is worth it, and then you can see where other people have taken dance that we have not thought of.
0: That's <laughs> awesome. I like the idea of keeping a bank a, a bank of um, of names. And you know, you also touched really on something important in in that we have people around us all the time that could possibly step in to that casual role or doing a one-off masterclass, that's also a really good way to, to get somebody into the studio and to see how they work with your students um, in, a, in a kind of a special one-off term. You can use that as a, as a trial if you talk to the person about that, like, I've got this opportunity to offer you. It's only one class today, but it will give me a good idea as to how you work with our kids. And, and then you can see whether you move on from there. Because if it's not a good match, you're going to see it straight up, right? You're going to feel it.
1: Yeah, I almost feel like I can feel the vibe of the person. I'll give it a (laughs) 50-50. I can feel a vibe right away when I'm talking to somebody who I'm considering as an employee, whether it's a teacher or somebody working in my office. I think that you, you have to give yourself time. I used to look at somebody, think they were a good person for the job, explain what the job was about and hire them. Now, I'm interviewing two, three candidates for one job and picking the best one. And let me tell you, you get a better result from being in a situation like that.
0: Absolutely. They say hire slow and fire fast.
1: Higher, slow, fire, fast. Yes, yes. And and the fire, fast part is hard because uh, we're in a social environment in the studio and people talk about the decisions we make and the people we hire and the people we let go. So the more you can be on top of it to avoid that negativity, uh, the better off we all are. And when you're... uh, looking at a teacher uh, or thinking about whether they fit into your culture, it's things like how they speak, how they dress, how they wrote you an email, uh, what they post on social media that will tell you what the personality is all about. And, And I hate to say it, but it's the 21st century. I have gone to look on social media at somebody I'm considering and know that I can't hire them.
0: Yeah. So one of the first questions I ask when I sit down with somebody, you know, you said you speak to them on the phone and then you have the opportunity to speak to them in person. One of my very first questions is always, tell me what you know about my studio.
1: Best question of them all. I yeah. love that. Yeah. I, I, I uh, say, what do you know about the Regal company? And you say, why do you think you're a good fit for uh, the Regal Company or whatever the name of your company is? Um, You could throw people off because dance teachers may have checked you out. But when I'm hiring for my office, I've stummed people. They have no idea why they'd be a good asset for the Regal Company.
0: (laughs) And it's really important to know, you want to know that they have done their research. It's not just about you spending the time looking into, you know, looking into what they've done, you stalking. It's about them stalking as well. You want to know that they've had a chance to, to look at your studio and to apply because they think that they're the right fit, not that they're just applying to anybody and everybody. Because when it comes down to it, my studio is very different to the studio up the road, which is very different to the studio around the corner. And I want somebody who knows that difference and who believes in that difference, because when it comes to our values and our mission, you don't want to have to try and convince somebody who you've hired that, you know, what you believe in is, is real. You want people who see your values on your website, who understand um, the mission behind what you're doing and feel attracted to that and then want to come and work for you for that reason.
1: Yes, and, and you want them to be able to support the culture and want to be a part of it. Oftentimes, I'll have teachers who come in and say, I'm only available from this time or this time, or they are making sure that they're only teaching the most advanced kids. When those kind of people write, I am not really interested. If I were looking for a teacher to only teach my advanced kids, I probably go within my own circle of people. And I can't make my decision here. This because there's some teachers maybe who are driving and will be listening. But here goes. You can't make your decision on hiring a teacher because they you think that that teacher will make you a winner at dance competition.
0: Oh gosh, no.
1: You must hire the teacher because you think they're going to make you a winner with your recreational kids and all the other kids that they're going to teach. And then consider it a bonus if they're really good with your advanced kids.
0: Yep. Yeah. yeah. I love hiring people who aren't going to cause me drama
1: who are
0: caused me unnecessary drama, who aren't all about themselves, who see the, the the bigger picture, who are able to see where they fit into the bigger picture and who are happy to contribute and happy to to you know build the business and grow with the business and talk to that parent who has a concern or tie that little girl's shoe who's having trouble you know putting her tap shoe on not just somebody who is there because they've left their time on the stage and they want to look at themselves in the mirror and, you know, have a couple of dancers move around in the background behind them.
1: Yeah, I agree. And honestly, I feel by having that teacher teach that recreational class, I am watching what she's teaching, but I'm watching her interaction. I'm watching the vibe she's putting out to the kids. I'm watching the vibe that the parents are feeling watching this teacher if they happen to be observing this class. To me, I, I am concerned with what they're teaching in the classroom, but it's more like, can they make kids love to dance? hmm
0: so important.
1: Like if you can make a kid love to dance who comes to my studio once a week and they can learn their dance and be in a recital and they are reaching their peak potential with me and that's all they want, I want you to be excited about that kid.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So one other thing I think of that that's really important when I'm hiring is, is I want the candidate to have a growth mindset. I don't want them to think, this is the way they've always done things. And so this is the way they're going to continue doing things. We are constantly evolving. We are doing professional development as a faculty all the time. We're going away to different masterclasses and conventions and workshops in order to gain more knowledge and to keep what we're doing changing and evolving with the latest research and keeping up to date. If you get somebody with a fixed mindset and if you don't know too much about fixed and growth mindsets, then that's, that's Dweck do some research because it's fascinating if somebody has a fixed mindset and they're not going to come along with you I kind of see what we do as, as a moving train the train is always moving and and you're either on you're either on it or you're under it <laughs> because we've got I, I'm with you, you.
1: and listen it doesn't mean for those of us that have studios that we don't uh honor those who have that kind of knowledge or bring them in for master classes because their technique and their philosophy is important for our kids to learn. But no, if they can't adjust to what the needs of the 21st century kid are, no, they can't be my weekly teacher because it's not smart for my business.
0: Absolutely. Re. how do you feel about people that um, want to teach for several studios? So they come to you for a job, but you can't offer them a, f- you know, a full-time roster. How do you feel about people doing a bit of both?
1: If you, it, To me, if you're going, I'm open to it. Because I, I, if I can't offer you the hours, I totally understand that you have to make income and this is what your skill is. Um, but I would say that I say to faculty, if you're gonna work for somebody within a twenty-five mile radius or radius, or you're going to consider that, I want you to come talk to me first.
0: Yeah. So important.
1: I have people around me who I'd have no problem with who maybe are five miles away. Yeah. But then I might have a problem with someone else. And if I keep an open relationship with that teacher, I got a feeling that we could work it out. So I'm not against it. But I wouldn't want, here's the other side. I wouldn't want to find out halfway through the season that one of my faculty members was teaching for somebody who I either considered a competitor or was a couple miles away from me and that I had no knowledge of that.
0: I once had a teacher who didn't let me know that she was teaching for another studio. And I was, you know, sitting, sitting on my couch scrolling on Instagram stories after class one after, one afternoon. And I'm, there she is at another studio teaching class. I'm like, hang on a second. <laughs> what, you, we need to have a meeting tomorrow.
1: <laughs> you know, I'm involved in, uh, like I, I'm an administrator or whatever you call it on dance teaching network mm-hmm. and by being on there i get the faculty person's side of wanting to work so i become a little bit more understanding of the employee side of this but i i i often write to those people or sometimes keep my mouth shut but they get to myself What happened here was a lack of communication.
0: Absolutely. and It it isn't
1: you went to go
0: teach.
1: (laughs) Had you said, I'm going to go talk to her about this because she gave me my first job or whatever, you wouldn't be writing this. It was the non-communication that is the issue and why you are having a problem with this now. Yeah. Communication is number 1. That that goes with that's good for this talk on hiring employees. You have to talk about your culture. You have to explain how you like your classroom atmosphere to be. You have to explain your expectations. That goes for an office person who's working for you. There should be job descriptions Don't expect employees to just come in and know what you want. There is nobody out there who will ever be able to do that for you, even if they're the greatest teacher in the world. Yeah,
0: they can't read your mind.
1: No. So we talked about communication. Here, this communication (laughs) is being vital to having a successful employee. Absolutely. I, I I tell you that because in my I started in business at age seventeen. It took me till I was thirty years old to to learn what I've just explained to all of you.
0: And sometimes it's about being brave. These conversations aren't necessarily um, really easy, and but having you know constructive conversations is part of part of your position description. It's part of your role. So you need to kind of work that muscle and and get used to having those conversations and set your expectations really clearly. So for an example of the teacher that was teaching somewhere else, that's fine. I needed to know about it. I need you to know that anything that happens in our studio is confidential. You can't talk about it when you go to the other studio. When we go to competition and you've choreographed for maybe two different schools, that choreography cannot be the same. You cannot use the same music. And when we go to competition dress neutrally don't dress in their uniform or dress in our uniform wish everybody good luck be really diplomatic and do the right thing by both studios
1: what what's interesting here in hearing you just describe that situation is hmm is what's going on in my mind because hear this if you were a kid at the gold school at my brother's school yeah And you wanted to go take from someone else. No. No, I'll take it back because really we're talking about faculty. Are we talking about faculty or are we talking about students?
0: Just faculty at this point. But that's a whole other podcast we could do.
1: Yeah, so I don't know if... But no, this is what I'm going to (sighs) say. I don't know if I'm going to land in the same competitions where that teacher is teaching Hmm. meaning what the level you just went to wouldn't happen for me because if you were in my intensive program teacher you probably wouldn't be you'd be full-time because you'd be across the board you wouldn't be going to teach for someone else it would be more that recreational teacher Cause that competition thing and you have to wear a neutral uniform and all of that. Nah. So, wow. I thought I'd answered this question, but when you brought that up, that's <laughs> well, uncomfortable for me, honestly. It's, I bring it's, it up
0: three because it hasn't happened to me, but we, I have been sitting in the audience and watched, you know, competitor number two come out and perform a routine to a song and then competitor number three come out and perform the same routine to, a, to the same song. Very similar costumes from two studios that work from different ends of, of the country. Uh, the I consider feature.
1: that, yeah, I consider that unacceptable.
0: Absolutely.
1: That's laziness on the choreographer's part if I may, since we're in private with only our listeners, (laughs) uh, no choreographer who's being paid to do choreography should use something that isn't uh, fresh and new. It, it, it's okay to go back and use a concept or steps or something like that. But I'm not going from one studio to the other and teaching the same choreography to the same kid, uh, two different groups of kids in the same year. It just doesn't feel right. Aren't I more creative
0: than that? One would hope so. But if your studio owner hasn't communicated that, some okay. people might think that's acceptable. So it comes okay, back to communication. Okay, you're
1: right. You're right. I, one thing that I've learned in my old age is what I assume is the natural uh, uh, order of things uh, uh, that you would take for granted. Other people don't. That's and, right. And so I'm learning that. And that happens a lot in the area of respect or, or tr- how to treat someone else because mm. that's what this this talk is all about like I couldn't go and choreograph for you and then go up the street to someone else and give them the same it just wouldn't even like I wouldn't have to ask you nobody'd have to tell me that was wrong my instinct would tell me that
0: yeah but it's about setting expectations and I know I've been burnt in the past having um, guest teachers come in where their expectation of what was acceptable in my classroom has been different to mine. And I haven't thought I needed to communicate it, but it turns out that I have, and it's come back to bite me. Um, So it's about when you do let somebody in front of your people, your clients, who you've worked really hard to get and to nurture and to to teach, that you make sure that everything has been communicated and that you're all on the same page. Mm.
1: One thing that we haven't talked about, but it would take too long is, Uh, If you have syllabi in your school or you have uh, curriculum curriculum levels, when you are hiring, you also have to then take into consideration, will this person be willing to go with your syllabi in your curriculum? That's yet another level. Because you, you realize when they come in and teach a class, they're gonna be teaching a class of what they know is the best way for me to describe it, what they think is appropriate for that 13, 14 year old class. A lot of people hire and then let the teacher do what they do. Mm-hmm. I feel like I also have to take the teacher to the level of saying, by the time these 12-year-olds are done with your TAP class, here are the things that they should have under their belt. And I'm not sure that we communicate that to our faculty as often as we should.
0: And for that other podcast topic too, we (laughs) need to talk about how we manage that as managers. So it's not just about saying, Here's the class structure and curriculum. Here's the class that you're teaching. Please do this. It's about how do we check in three weeks later and six weeks later and six months later to ensure mm. that the work is being carried on. But that's a topic for another for another day. It's,
1: it is. It is. But you know, we need to write this down because sometimes in our podcast, we come up with good topics and then we can't remember what that good topic was.
0: <laughs> who are you looking at? I don't know who you're looking at.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm looking at myself in the mirror too. I'll take you along with me, but you're not alone on that.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, Ree. Thank you so much for the chat. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We would love it if you um, enjoyed the podcast, if you'd share it with your friends, especially other dance studio owners you know who are getting ready to hire, hire people for the upcoming season. And if you have any questions or want to reach out to us, we would love you to do that too. You can contact us at regold.com or leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts.
1: Awesome. So listen, enjoy the journey. But as you're going on this journey, if you need faculty, start thinking about it now. Don't do it as you approach the start of a new journey. Enjoy. Have a great day, everybody.
0: Thank you for joining us for Regold's Dance Life Podcast.